We're interviewing some of the cannabis industry's most influential and accomplished decision makers. We've got a great guest and show for you today. Really excited to talk about a lot of the health and education parts of cannabis and and uh, a lot of the initiatives that, that have been going on. I'm really excited for that. Uh, so thank you for joining. Um, today we've got Shelly McKay. She's the founder of Cannabis Works and incoming executive director for OC Normal. She's done a lot of work with veterans and for veterans in the in uh, in Southern California in the retail community and helping get SB 34 to patients that need it. And uh, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much Welcome. for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you here. Yes, I am excited to be here. Truly. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us, you know, tell us more about, you know, what were you doing before cannabis and, you know, how did you make that leap and you know, getting into yeah. cannabis? Yeah. So, um, you know, I definitely had a lot of uh, jobs prior to cannabis. I worked um, as a pharmacy technician for a few years. Then I um, worked as a shorthand reporter or court reporter um, in uh, federal court and superior court. And then um, my husband and I have a general contracting company, so I was office manager um, for quite a few years for that. And then um, why can't, how did I get into cannabis? So um, it all started with a very dear friend by the name of Eddie Peterson. He was, uh, he was diagnosed back in 2012 with esophageal cancer, stage four. And um, he didn't have much um, in the way of like treatment to help him. They said, basically, you know, you've got a few months. And so we had read about RSO. And um, at the time, um, you know, wasn't familiar with what it was, but researched it. And so Rick Simpson oil or FSO, there's a lot of names for it, but it's a highly concentrated oil from the plant. So my husband and Eddie started growing simply to make RSO. And so when we saw that it not only helped change Eddie's quality of life, um, it prolonged his, um, his diagnosis by three years. Mm -hmm. He had quality of life in those that, you know, I saw firsthand way back then that the, the benefit of this plant was just incredible as medicine. And myself back in 2012, I had not been using cannabis. I used cannabis as a teenager. Um, I was a teenager in the 80s, and we all know that uh, Reagan and Nancy, Nancy Reagan, they just had the, no. <laughs> the war on drugs, just so no, that red ribbon campaign came out my senior year in high school, and I was smoking cannabis primarily, not really drinking, and mom found out, and she's like, drug rehab, and then that's where I ended up meeting my husband, who I've been with, I mean, we've been married for 31 years, wow. together 35, so a lot of those years we spent together were sober. And so I knew, though, that, you know, returning to cannabis was something that I wanted to do personally. Um, but, you know, we had kids, you know, raised the family. And then, um, you know, when I saw the benefit of cannabis for Eddie, I was also having my own personal health struggles. So um, I had a lot of orthopedic injuries. And from uh, 2009 to 13, I had six surgeries, my neck, my shoulder, my, my elbow, my knee. I, there are quite a few um, pretty difficult surgeries that, you know, I found myself on this um, pill mill where mm -hmm. you're just being prescribed pain relievers, anti-inflammatories, mm -hmm. things that just um, weren't really helping. They were just kind of masking your pain. And I had a lot of GI issues, a lot of depression, um, anxiety. And so, you know, I decided, like, let's try cannabis again. You know, like I've seen that it can help medicinally. I started really studying the plant quite a bit back then. So um, started slowly and you probably I probably had to after coming out of like the whole oh, rehab situation. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. First first experience was unbelievable. Like I <laughs> I was like, what have I done? <laughs> you know, but then, you know, you, you get to know the chemovars you like or, you know, you we all have our preferences. So once I was able to find um, well, let me back up. Then in 2015, I was hired by a company called um, Constance Therapeutics to, under Prop 215, we were selling oils directly to um, doctor-referred patients. And it would have been ratioed oils like you see in the tinctures today that are on the shelves, but it was also RSO. And that wasn't in the market back in 2015, you know, 2015. Mm -hmm. they, they were 
a lot of people were making it at home yeah. and Rick Simpson released his recipe online, but yeah. you couldn't really go and buy it anywhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, once I, I, then when I was working for that company, um, you know, I saw the benefits firsthand, mm -hmm. how it improved quality of life, how maybe it slowed the progression of cancers. I personally did not see any of these miraculous cures that you hear about, but I saw that it helped tremendously with pain, with sleep, with appetite, with mood, with the fact that they could check in with their family members because they weren't taking these heavy opiates. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, long story short, you know, I have that experience working with patients and that's where I've got my, um, th that's where my focus has always been. And then it's been out of compassion. You know, I wanted to be in this industry out of compassion. So um, I was lucky enough um, to be my husband and um, a couple of partners they had entered the lottery in Santa Ana way back when, when it was Measure BB, which is, was just for medicinal use dispensaries. And so they won uh, the lottery and there were 20 uh, winners chosen, but unfortunately we weren't able to open as a Measure BB. Uh, we couldn't open until February, 2018, which was under Prop 64. So, um, you know, but our team had that same feeling of um, we see cannabis as medicine or as a supplementation of wellness or just overall for mood and happiness. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to continue and push that narrative forward with Cannabis Works when we opened. We knew it was going to take a lot of education because there's a huge gap. And there still is. Yeah. And there still is between what do doctors say to yeah. patients that are asking, can I use this? Some know but definitely veterans cannot talk to the VA doctors about it. You know, it's mm -hmm. a schedule one substance. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the sad gap is for veterans and cannabis, not knowing, hearing that it's helpful or just finding that it's helpful better more so than their pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So, you know, we, when we opened Cannabis Works, our team was dead set on educating and um, we certified uh, all of our um, bud tenders uh, through a program that Dr. Dustin Sulak has online. Um, he's a practicing cannabis clinician on the East Coast. And it was just about the science of cannabis. You know, what is the endocannabinoid system? What are cannabinoids? What are terpenes? How can they help? Why are they helping? What is being studied in the world? So because it's a schedule here, one here in the U.S. that barred, that barred research. I mean, there's been a lot of private research being had, but it barred research. So, um, you know, it, it just, there was such, um, there is such a gap and a lack of information. Mm -hmm. And we saw that we knew we wanted to educate. So we opened up a wellness center in the back. I immediately became a chapter um, uh, leader for Women Grow with, wow. I don't know if you know, Tammy Pettigrew, mm -hmm. Cannabis Cutie. Mm -hmm. Her and I, we led these meetings to say like, this is what's being studied. You know, I'm not here to say I'm a doctor and I'm going to tell you what to take, but I'm telling you what these cannabinoids are being studied for and what they can do. You know, and I go to a lot of different cannabis conventions and CanMed and learn from these doctors and scientists that are studying. So, I mean, that was always our goal and our intention of starting Cannabis Works was to help and to educate, you know, so that people, when they walk in the door, it's not like, oh, I have pain or I can't sleep. We'll just try this. Well, you know, you why aren't you sleeping? Are, do you have a lot of anxiety? Maybe CBD can be very helpful for that reason. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, and we can dive into that later on because I really want to, I want to talk to veterans about how it can be helpful and what awesome. we're seeing, you know? Nice. Yeah. I want to get into that more too, but first I think Deej. Thanks. Start that. Yeah. I want to light that up. <laughs> I and, think, yeah, your, your emphasis and focus on, on education and, and outreach and community building, I think, is something that's really set, um, you know, not only cannabis works, uh, you know, apart from you know, kind of other dispensaries in the area, but mm -hmm. also you. And that's kind of, I think, led to, to your transition now. You're incoming the OC Normal Executive Director. Correct. And I guess my question for you is, in, in a place like Orange County, where mm -hmm. we have... Um, you know, we have recreational and medical access. You know, the medical access is very limited mm -hmm. and it's, you know, not what it was just a few years ago. Right. But um, 
you know, what is the, the primary focus of OC Normal? What is OC Normal? So Normal is an acronym. It stands for the National Organization to Reform the Marijuana Laws. It was started 50 years ago. You know, we've got, we have uh, local chapters, there's state chapters, and then there's national chapters. So there's uh, Justin Struckle, um, he's our lobbyist in DC, and he speaks for the cannabis industry. Um, but it's reformation, you know, basically of these archaic laws that we're dealing with. Why is cannabis still on the CSA? You know, um, Controlled Substances Act for right? people who aren't up right on the, on the Controlled Substances <laughs> Act, which of course Nixon put it on. Yeah. Um, and then of course Ronald Reagan endorsed. You know, in 1980, made this huge thing about how cannabis is the most dangerous drug on the planet mm -hmm. and that it causes irreparable, irreversible harm. Yeah. That was the 80s, and we all know the war on drugs failed. And the war on drugs was sadly against people that are still jailed for it. Yeah. You know, you know, people of color, and, and it has been such a failed war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, so, normal, um, you know, as the longer I'm in the cannabis space, the more I want to advocate and be an activist for the consumer, for the medical patient. You know, that might not have that voice. You know, uh, we we want to make a change. You know, we're working on a program um, at OC Normal. Candace Haas is the incredible, um, you know, founder of OC Normal. She's been doing it for 18 years. Wow. She's the reason, part of the reason why we even have cannabis in Santa Ana today, because she was part of that going to city councils saying this is why you need to bring it into your city and we still have a, t a uh, taxing uh, i'm sorry a, um, a licensing task force that is going into city councils saying you know we're educating them on mm -hmm. cannabis isn't bad and here's why and so we're putting together this nice little campaign to address city council members why does orange can or why does santa Ana have to have the monopoly on cannabis we need more access. That's what the voters wanted. And it's like maybe what I, I don't think that, I think the number's like 30% now the state has retail. I mean, that's unbelievable. What, yeah. That is not access for all. Three years after yeah. that is not access. three and a half years. No, yeah. it's not access for all. No. And especially you know? for a region that, you know, is so, you know, and I think what you've talked about is, um, you know, serving those people that, that are, that don't have the access right. and because of the dynamics of the VA system, right. a lot of veterans fall into that category. And with Orange County and Southern California being home to so many veterans, right. it seems like a, mm -hmm. a definitely a large problem. Um, so I, I know we've got some, some veteran viewers. And so if we get to it at the end, um, I'd love to do some Q and A. Sure. And so if there's any viewers with any questions uh, that want to ask Shelly directly, excited for that <laughs> <Same. Definitely. laughs> so um i guess um i've been camping on this no worries <laughs> um what do you think how do we how do we get past the the, the myopic obsession with uh, thc you know and, and i know right now on one hand for for a lot of the medical patients, specifically the ones we've just been talking about, like that's the, the medicine that they're looking for that they don't have access to. Mm -hmm. And so like that's the best indicator of, for that. But for mm -hmm. a lot of other consumers and people that are using cannabis for a variety of different applications, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the most relevant information. Right. So what do you think is the path forward educationally or like how do we, because I know, you know, it's not the, the brands that are doing it that are pushing it they're responding to demand right and so um is this like a, is this educating a certain type of customer and, and at the same time we have veterans that aren't familiar with and don't you know then have access to things like tinctures where they are right. the the highest thc right. um, so a little bit of a complex mm -hmm. situation i guess just to to deal with the informational side, the mm -hmm. education side of the non-THC mm -hmm. component of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think is, how do we, like, right now, THC is like the number. Like, what what other number, like, if, if we can use a number, can we use a number? Or do we yeah. have to just change how we think about it? Right. You know, I don't, what do you right. think? Right, I mean, you know, I'm, I definitely, 
THC has its benefits most definitely. Um, you know, THC is an incredible pain reliever. I've seen, you know, we've had <clears throat> clients come to the dispensary that they're on end of life, hospice care, and they is, there is not a pain reliever that is even touching their pain. And if they take in enough, they are just so absent from their last final days with a family. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with many patients that, you know, they've come in and THC, <clears throat> excuse me, THC is definitely the heavy hitter mm -hmm. for pain. And it's also very helpful for appetite. And um, it can be very helpful for um, to be used as a muscle relaxer even. And, um, and I will say the reason that I consider veteran, the veteran community to be, um, um, they definitely consume larger quantities of THC than, than some of the uh, clients we work with. But I will say that THC, um, it ha it, THC wipes out REM. So yep. it, it interrupts with your REM cycle, which is of course where you dream. So we've got a lot of different, um, you know, people, d nightmares reside um, <coughs> in REM. So you've got def you've got the veterans that they have to knock out at night and they're using THC to help them with that. And I highly support that because it gives them a great night of sleep. They are not woken up by these terrible nightmares. So, you know, that's been very helpful for a lot of the veterans we're working with. Um, but, but I will say that I've also had people come in where, you know, so it's, you know, there's definitely, I want to say the percentage of, they say, you know, like people that could be addicted to cannabis is like a 9%, much lower than all the other drugs out there. But, you know, they're, they're, they're calling it a cannabis use disorder. If there's an overload of THC, what do you see with that? anxiety, cognitive issues, you know, you know, there's short term memory loss if you know, you, you use a lot of THC, but, um, you know, so there, it's not to say that, you know, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. There are things that can, you know, affect other people differently. It can be very anxiety producing for some. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we sit with, with a client, whether it's a veteran or anyone else, we, we, I like to talk about just balancing your cannabinoids. So cannabinoids, right? The non cannabinoids, <laughs> cannabinoids are, are simply um, the compounds in the cannabis plant. THC is one of them. CBD, CBDA, THCA, THCV, CBN. You know, there, there's quite a few. They're, they think there's like, you know, I, at last count, it was like over 150. And there's a lot of minor cannabinoids that they're studying to this day. But you know, there are so many cannabinoids being used in different applications and products you're finding in dispensaries now. A lot of tinctures have different mm -hmm. ratios of different cannabinoids, and it's for a reason. CBG is also cannabinoid you're finding. Uh, CBN is put in a lot of sleep products because it's considered to be more sedating than THC. And you so, have a, you, you're smoking right now the rope. Oh yeah, and that's right, a, which is why I'm not partaking right now because you know, quite frankly, um, I smoke at night, sleep, pain. Um, during the day, I like to, and I want to thank Joe for this from Rove. Shout out Joe. Joe, she um, sent me the, it's Rove Remedies, and it's their CBD line. And this pen in particular is CBD and CBG. So they're considered non-intoxicating um, cannabinoids, but they both, they, they're helpful for me um, with anxiety, period, awesome. you know, awesome. daytime use, clear head, anxiety and mood. So, um, yeah, what we're smoking on is not the case. This is Malibu. This is high THC. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> it's very intoxicating. Either, either I become couch locked yeah. or I become a motor mouth and I wasn't sure which. So I decided to play it safe with the, the pen today. That's so, awesome. um, do you carry that at Cannabis Works? Uh, no, because okay. you know you can't. Oh, dispensaries can't. Product. Okay, got it. Dispensaries can't carry hemp-derived okay. CBD. Yep. So no, I get it. Um, but I do see some dispensaries that do carry hemp-derived. I know, right? They're not supposed to be, but which you is know. that's see that's very tricky. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is. Yeah, know. it's a it's it's like 
everyone else can carry it except for a cannabis company. Right. right? And and, and like, here here's the drawback for, for us. I mean, CBD, there's a lot of CBD products in the dispensaries, you know, pretty mm -hmm. great quality. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have as much CBG showing up in the dispensaries. And CBG, um, people are using it for anxiety. They're using it for bladder spasticity, the elderly. Like, there's a couple products that are being used for that. But um, CBG... Um, I always talk about it being like that Sophie's Choice for a grower. CBG for CBGA shows up first on the plant, and then the other cannabinoids come from that over time. Mm -hmm. So you have to harvest early. Well, people that are harvesting for THC are not going to yeah. cut their plant early for more CBG. Mm -hmm. So you, you can get CBG or CBGA from a hemp plant also. So you're seeing a lot of CBG products outside of dispensaries. And that drives me crazy because we always wanted to have this really incredible CBG tincture. So I, I just refer people to it, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just a weird legal situation and one yeah. of many really. And one I wanted to talk about right now was the one you're most active on, which is SB 34. Yeah. Which, you know, we were talking about before the show, which, you know, Prop 215 was medical focused. It was mm -hmm. all donation, mm -hmm. right? You couldn't sell. You were not allowed to sell. It was technically a donation right. at the dispensaries. And mm -hmm. and then Prop 64 came, and after it finally went through all the iterations between, you know, the polling booth and, uh, you know, January 1st, 2018, and then you weren't allowed to sell, you weren't allowed to give it away. You had to sell it. Right. Um, and so that, that is really a strict and harsh reversal, especially for... For the the people that that you're most um, most concentrated on serving, which right. is, you know, the people that need it for med medicinal reasons that don't otherwise have access, right. in, like the veteran community. Um, so I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about like one, what's the status of SB thirty four, how we got here, mm -hmm. or what do we have? You know, what 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 can other people do to participate? It's oh. really like I think yeah. both on both ends, like veterans looking to participate mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, brands looking to participate, uh, retailers looking to participate. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of questions and you guys have you've, you've personally been at you know, the forefront of rolling this out. So yeah. I figured yeah. there's no one better to talk to. <laughs> yeah. And thank you. Thank you for letting me relay this message out there, because I think it is very important. Not a lot of people know about SB 34. And so I'll back up and do a little bit of history on how it came to be. You know, Prop 215 we talked about, we're coming up on the 25 year anniversary of when it was passed, November 5th, up in San Francisco. Prop 215, um, Dennis Perone was involved in Prop 215, who was an activist in the 70s. He was, he was also in the Air Force, he's a veteran. He came back from Vietnam, a couple pounds of cannabis, and then he started, um, the Cannabis Buyers Club in San Francisco, and he and he, with the help of Brownie Mary as well, um, they were they saw the need for cannabis for AIDS patients. Um, they were suffering. There wasn't medication in the early days. They knew cannabis was helping, and so uh, Brownie and the Mary. The only medication was like rejected cancer meds. Right, <laughs> right, and there wasn't really options. You know, they were wasting away and. So, you know, sadly, um, you know, and they had the, the terrible like um, sarcomas, you know, and so they were just in so much pain and there wasn't much help. And Dennis Perone and, uh, you know, quite a few other activists at the time, I mean, that were responsible for authoring Prop 215, like Valerie Corral up in Santa Cruz with Wham and, you know, Dale Geringer, who started California Normal like 35 years ago. A lot of great activists were involved in this Prop 215. And um, well, Dennis, prior to that, like a few years, sadly, his um, his husband had died of AIDS in 90. So in 91, he had Prop 215 pass overwhelmingly in San Francisco, which was going to bring compassionate access to cannabis. So five years later, then he was like, we're going for the state. So it passed in 1996. And the intention was for compassionate use to donate to medical patients in need. And um, so, you know, of, over the years, of course, there were definitely a lot of dispensaries and I was familiar with them, you know, Prop 215 era too. 
Um, and then, you know, when Prop 64 passed, it didn't allow for compassionate donations. And um, so, um, uh, when, when that was the whole, how the collective model was based, right? Exactly. It was like that was the legal framework right. of all of it. it was right. like, well, these are we're doing it on behalf of the patients. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But they got left behind with sixty four. You know, it's like everybody can get cannabis now, but yet the state changed the edible limits. You know, they used to be you know in a Prop two fifteen dispensary five hundred to a thousand milligrams for a little cookie. And uh, the state limits were changed to 100 milligrams per edible, which wouldn't be enough for, for some, which wouldn't be enough for some patients. For a lot. You know, great for a beginner, great for somebody entering the space. You know, we always say start real low and go slow. Start with two and a half milligrams of that brownie until you find out what you like. But there are a lot of patients out there that required heavy, heavy milligrams. And so, um, you know, that, that was a change too. And so, um, and then the worst part um, of Prop 64 is it's the taxes involved. Yeah. You know, in Santa Ana, the overall tax rate is 31%. And we're not the highest in California. No. I mean, out in the desert, it's much higher. Um, and so, you know, every day we'd have a consumer come in and say, why? Why are these taxes so high? We can't afford cannabis in the legal space and you know we obviously have to bring in all this clean tested product which is great for the consumer but you're not allowing the access for people that can't afford it and what are we getting back for all the taxes right so like, where's, it, well, where's 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 the yeah, state in helping right. reduce the yeah. the illicit and right. then also supporting mm -hmm. the right. needs of the people that are being left behind the, mm -hmm. the marginalized yeah like that's i mean argumentatively like that's what the role is in this Correct. situation and the justification for the taxes. Right. So, you know, I think, yeah, definitely for the tax rate, we're not getting the level of service, you know, to pay, mm -hmm. like you're saying, 31% right. of the, if 31% if of your dollars are going there, we're not getting 31% of the, of the value. Right. Um, right. So that has to change so, somewhere. And it does. There needs but, to be some sort of reform um, in that respect, um, most definitely. Um, so, you know, and, and that's not even with the federal government's involvement yet. You know, we're talking about wanting to remove it from the Controlled Substances Act, but then the federal government, they're going to want taxes as well, you know, and yeah, already, know you, you know. We were talking a little bit before right. about the, the newest iteration right. which it's called the cannabis administration opportunity act and it's basically a dis it's a discussion it's in a draft form right now uh, uh senators uh schumer booker and wyden introduced it a couple months back they're looking for um comments and they're taking them up till september 1st before they bring it to congress so they want industry involvement of course they want us to talk about you know do we agree with the tax structure they're setting up? There's a lot of really incredible things that, that they are um, putting in this act, you know, like expungement and social justice and social equity applicants, and they're setting up grants to pay for that. Um, and uh, But once again, taxing, they, they want to start at 10% tax rate uh, to increase, well, the second year will be 10%, but increase by 5% up until 25%. So the overall and that's would be, on top of any state tax. That would be on top of then what they're paying, right. you know, what we're paying. Wow. So, so that, that puts an OC that's you know, like 55% at that point. Right. After five right. Years. Wow. But then they're wow. saying, okay, because it's been removed from CSA, well, 280E wow. no longer applies to you and now you can write off labor. You know, so they're, they're trying to say. So you get a deduction on some of your costs. So Fifty-five percent tax rate is okay for the patients. It's not. No, it's not. <laughs> right. No, yeah. It's exactly. appalling. So there needs to be reform here in California, but then there also needs to be a lot of comments made about how that is just not that is going to price everyone out of the legal market, and which is why the traditional market definitely is thriving, mm -hmm. and it really, really is. You know. Mm -hmm. So you know, getting back to SB thirty-four, it's it's named the Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary Act. Um, you know, uh, to to point out that 
let's bring compassion back and let's look at the reason why it was even California in the first place. So it allows for, um, you know, manufacturers. I mean, actually, no, I, I'll talk about Deer Cannabis right now because what this company has been doing is uh, started by Melissa and Kelly. They saw the need for um, not only, okay, we've got expired products that come up in the industry. We have to pay to waste them. We cannot donate. Um, and then there's also biomass that might not be used from certain companies and they have to pay to waste, you know, uh, so there's a lot of expenses. And so by pay to waste, you mean like they're not allowed to just throw it away or get rid of it or mm -hmm. let's say, you know, give it away or anything. They have to actually pay a service mm -hmm. provider yep. to come in and get rid of the expired product yep. or pay a testing lab to retest it. Correct. Mm -hmm. After a year. So they have to go through retesting if they want to keep it on our shelves. So um, it's just, it's kind of crazy. So they started this, you know, this open source network across the state where they're, you know, not only teaching people what SB 34 is, but how you can be involved. You know, like, um, for instance, Rove, uh, they're part of the SB 34 program that we donate, you know, for our, our veterans. Um, so, you know, they can donate tax free. And we can also, we are not paid, we're not assessed taxes either. So they can't, the but they can't donate directly to the veterans. They no. have to go through. It has to go through a, re through retailer, a retailer or a non-storefront, non which is delivery so, as well. Okay. But can the retailer initiate or, you know, donate the products themselves? I mean, I'm just like, what part of the supply, so, it has to be so all the way from the beginning? Or? They've changed it. So we have the seed to sale tracking mm -hmm. in the dispensary or in the industry. Um, and it's called metric. And so metric, um, when products come in from a vendor, it has to be donated as a gift. Like there's a gift tag now that's assessed to it. So they're, they want to keep track of it in the seed to sale system. They want to know it, when it comes into a retailer on metric, it has to be gift yeah it, it has to be like yeah i think something that you check yeah. right when you're yeah. doing your, the metric exactly yeah it's just a little box it's a little check. box you check right right so okay but for those like understanding the like the supply chain from the outside that mm -hmm. means the retailer can't just like choose to give away right no yeah. i can't anything. just take products off yeah. the shelf yeah. and say oh they have to be designated for yeah. that yeah before yeah. they get to you most yeah. definitely most it, definitely it comes, it comes i can't in, change yeah. the designation of yeah. products that we've already received in a metric the per the regulations so the, it has to start from either the cultivator that is earmarking a certain amount of their crop for sp34 i think what would be incredible and to see this program be sustainable is if all vendors out there just said hey you know we'll donate five percent of our product and we're going to make a specific sp34 product for this program to offer dispensaries throughout the state you know, because sadly, there's a lot of money being spent on swag. You know, mm -hmm. why do we need more single-use plastic? You know, why do we need those pens and glasses and cups and things, and right? boxes. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and, you know, a lot of it yeah. winds up in just a big box in the back of a dispensary, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're putting out money for the swag or um, some dispensaries, not ours, are charging slotting fees just to have someone on shelf. You know, we're not, I think that's awful, you know, but look, you, I know that there's money being spent other ways. If only we could have, you know, the vendors across the state just say, hey, look, we're gonna donate just a small, or we're gonna curate a special product just for SB 34 um, part vendors, or I'm sorry, retailers, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that has been kind of the glitch right now with the sustainability because it's about the not knowing or um, maybe products expiring and you have to rush to get it out, rush to get it to a participant. So, so to be, for a participant on, on the user end, on the user it end. sounds like what you were mm -hmm. probably just going to talk about, yeah. but like, what do you have to do if, you know, to participate in, mm -hmm. in SB 34, if you have medical needs? Yes. So, um, so you need to get a doctor's recommendation. So, um, you know, that, can be definitely your own doctor. There are forms your own doctor can fill out. Um, you can go to um, a third party doc med rec doctor like um, a Get Nug MD, Leafly, Presto. There, there's quite a few out there still. And, um, or uh, what's the other? 
Well, the state MMIC, there's a different card that's issued by the Department of Health, and you actually still have to get a doctor's medical recommendation and then make a, um, a an appointment with the state department to where you can get a it's a MMIC card, which is a medical marijuana card that you so can you bring into a dispenser okay. dispensary. And but I'm not most people don't know this, but with an MMIC card, regardless of if you're in an SB 34 program you do not have to pay state taxes. So, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to obtain. You know, you've got to go down to the, it's not always like a one-time appointment. Mm. But when but, the tax is such yeah, a burden. Yeah, it's worth it. So it will, it, yeah, yeah, it will free you of those taxes yeah. at least, but it's like maybe about $100 a year to obtain that card. Okay. Um, and so, to, but you need a doctor's medical recommendation. But then and, if you just, if you have this card, you can't just go up to a dispensary and say like, hey, I want some SB 34. No, no, because the dispensary has to be part of it. They have to have the products, you know, within their inventory that has been entered into the metric system as a gift or a donation. And so right you know? now, those are all coordinated through like the, like you're doing weekly or monthly Right, events. so, right. So, okay, so SB 34 is open, it's compassion. It is for medical patients. It's not just geared towards veterans. It is for compassion. So, um, you know, we have other people that we donate monthly to that are not veterans. But um, <clears throat> so to uh, SB 34, we started, um, Newsom signed it into law October 19. March 1st of 2020 was the first day you were allowed to even start that program. So we did. We had about 20 veterans that were there, there that day. And um, and we've seen it grow. Um, we do an event every six weeks. We've, we have 155 men and women enrolled. Um, wow. And so it's, we call it the Veterans Compassion Network. Awesome. Um, and we're hoping to just, you know, have other people model it. You know, we want it to go across the state. And not just for veterans, you know, but right. for people in need. Yeah, but, it serving whatever community is probably at most at need of right, wherever your dispensary right, is. Right, yeah. right. And so we have seen just, you know, so many incredible things happen um, with the participants that have come in, you know, because I personally sit down with, I consult with every single person that shows up. This is what this product is. This is how to use it. This is what to expect. You know, do you have any questions? They maybe have never used a tincture before. And, or, you know, maybe they're only familiar with uh, flour or mm -hmm. concentrates. Um, how, how would I use a topical? What what can I do with a transdermal patch? So we get a lot of really, really great donations. So then I will sit and go through like all products with them, but just, um, but then I'll get their feedback on how it's helped them. What has it done for their life? You know, because they haven't been exposed to maybe taking another cannabinoid other than THC. Mm -hmm. Like they realize like how CBD has helped calm them down during the day helped with their anxiety levels. You know, there's just a lot of reasons why these cannabinoids are helpful. You know, um, I, I mean, I could break it down. I, I've studied this plant for years and I study a lot of these different scientists that are writing these papers about cannabis. And so, you know, there's studies that have been done. Uh, after the World Trade Center, um, they had 46 people that they, it was the United States in conjunction with Canadian scientists that looked at these 46 people with uh, 24 of them had PTSD. And so they looked at like, what are the differences? Um, they checked their serum levels of anandamide and anandamide is an endogenous cannabinoid that we create as humans that works with our endocannabinoid system. They call it the bliss molecule. It's found in mother's breast milk. It promotes suckling. So they're finding that with PTSD, um, survivors that they have severely low circulating level, levels of anandamide. And so, um, and, they, and then they've also, I think it was Brazilian scientists that did a study with depressed women. They found the same thing, low levels of anandamide. So they're looking at it as an endocannabinoid deficiency almost. There's a scientist by the name of Dr. Ethan Russo that postulates that endocannabinoid deficiency is a real thing. It contributes, he thinks, to like things like PTSD, fibromyalgia, migraines. I mean, there's a, a list wow. of things that he thinks it's attributable to. And so it's just looking at like balancing your endocannabinoid system, mm -hmm. balancing it with not just THC, but CBD, 
or CBG if that works better for you, you know, but just finding that balance. And that's the point of your endocannabinoid system is homeostasis, finding that, bringing that balance back to your body. So, um, you know, with um, veterans that suffer not only from PTSD, but traumatic brain injuries and depression and anxiety and chronic, chronic pain, you know, um, there was also um, recently Barbara Lee um, from California introduced, um, I think it's called the uh, Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act. So she's just asking for permission to have veterans to not only, you know, possess, but use and transport right. cannabis free from any, uh, you know, um, putting their benefits at risk. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and that's what they yeah. think that it will put their benefits at risk. Yeah. If you go on the VA website though, they, it won't put their, their benefits at risk. You know, it, it, there's a list of points that not many people know is even on that site. But yeah, that's a, it's a huge informational gap. I think. Definitely. But it, but the informational gap too, the, the VA cannot even talk to the yeah. veterans about it, you mm -hmm. know? And so, um, you know, knowing that these, the cannabinoids can help with these different things, you know, that's the education we want to give to the veterans. Um, you know, why are they studying these cannabinoids? There is real, a lot of, um, men have served and there's a lot of PTSD mm -hmm. in the country and they've done a study and they know definitely that CBD and THC can be very helpful for mm -hmm. um, veterans that suffer from PTSD, you know? Um, and I mean, there's, there's so many other th reasons, CBD. And, and it's difficult. And, it, and I can tell a lot because of how you're talking about it, it's difficult for us to talk about it because of the, the federal treatment. Yes. Right. We can't talk about what's already been proven because right. you know it's, it's still schedule it's still one, schedule one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they see it as no medicinal value yeah. so then it's it means that no research about it is even valid in the in the public discourse which is absurd right 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 and i mean i'm just here to talk to you about like you know i was a reporter at court reporter for so many years i my job was always about reading and researching to get those transcripts right for the attorneys right and i was learning quite a bit then but you know so that's what i do now i read research report i bring you the education you know i mean another thing about cbd and a, a huge reason why i talk to the veterans about incorporating a little bit of cbd is that you have this metabolic enzyme called fa that breaks down anandamide that bliss molecule i was talking about breaks it down so if you have a lack of anandamide and you've got FA that's going crazy because chronic stress can upregulate FA, you're going to be lacking that bliss molecule, right? So CBD actually helps with the reuptake of FA. So it, meaning it helps keep anandamide in your body longer. So CBD and THC work in tandem. They work together, you know? So that's why I'm always like, THC is great. It's great for a lot of things, but really, please incorporate a little bit more. You know, let's let's find that balance. Do you think, um, you know, kind of to change topics a little bit, but do you think that, you know, states that are looking at, at legalizing or opening up, do you think they should have a, a medicinal program before they go fully recreational? Do you think allowing, because my concern is, is that once you, you know, once you open it up recreationally or open up the, the money access, so to speak, that, you know, the money is going to come in and, and change it to whatever the money wants. Right. Um, but at least in California, we had 20 years to develop a patient centric um, right. community right. that, you know, has been able to not only adapt, mm -hmm. but also influence and, 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 um, you know, make inroads through SB 34 and, and other things and have political voice. So I think that's, that's important to maintain. And so my, my question is whether or not, or how do states looking to open up their markets that haven't done so already, like what's the right path to take? I mean, on one side, like the best access is going to be open, but then like we said, the money comes in. Right, right. I mean, and that's where, you know, I defer to organizations like Normal to like and, and Americans for Safe Access and United Patients groups. There's so many groups out there that are 
fighting for that patient to have access and education and um, to expose the people that just don't understand what it is and how this plan is so beneficial for so many, you know, for so many yeah. reasons. So, you know, um, I think it all starts with education, you know, like in California, we're still not um, telling our dispensaries that they have to educate our, our employees. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not demanding it. We have mm -hmm. paid to certify our, our um, mm -hmm. staff through the healer program. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, last year, because of COVID, I had a lot of time within the office. I came up with a training module to onboard specific for dispensary, because not only do you have to, um, you know, know about what the products are, how do you help people understand mm -hmm. where's the guidance, you know, Education. just try this and, yeah. you know, you know, cause there are certain flowers that could be very anxiety producing for some, mm -hmm. but if you happen to know the terpenes and you know, like linalools involved in this strain you're choosing, that's going to be way more calming. But if you don't know, and you're just picking something cause it smells good or because somebody told you, you know, or somebody yeah. told you it had high THC, yeah. there might be a terpene profile in there that just causes crazy paranoia you know? Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I wish California also required testing for terpenes. I know that's a little, little more expensive and there are some, mm -hmm. there are some companies doing it and I love it because it can help you steer it gives that us experience. another number to look at. You can, right? you mm -hmm. can help. It's just that missing ingredient. Yeah. You can help steer that experience far more for people. Do you think that the, you know, testing labs, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it is, the underlying dynamic of the brands paying for their own testing like is that sustainable like i don't think so i you know i seems like it just distorts all the incentives right right and you know th there needs to be reform all around truly you ask a cultivator you ask a testing lab you that we're all going to have definite things that you know they're just not working for us the industry you know it, it financially the, the legal side is struggling, period. Mm -hmm. We're struggling. As owners, everyone is, you know. Um, you know, it may, it's a misnomer. We're not making money hand over fist. We aren't. We simply can't. We don't have the write-offs, you know. It's just mm -hmm. employee turnover. It's just, there's a lot of factors, you yeah. know. So On all sides, high mm -hmm. regulations, mm -hmm. high taxes, right. mm -hmm. high employee turnover, right. high brand turnover. Right. Mm -hmm. Most brands last about seven months. Like, how do you... How do you build right. a community right. when you can't have reliable supply chain? Yeah. And it's so sad. I mean, we've seen so many vendors come and go. I mean, even in the early stages in two, 2018, when mm -hmm. the regs weren't even in place yet till the end of the year, yeah. and they weren't quite clear on the packaging, and they kept going back and forth on how they had to package things. And that was putting people out of business that barely were hanging on. You know, they couldn't repackage all things just because, you know, now they're going to go with this change, you know? So we saw so many people just sadly, sadly go out of business, you know, or maybe they returned to the traditional market. I don't know, but they left the legal market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a very, very just expensive happening. market to be in. Yeah. That's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the black market is thriving. Yeah. It's well, you know, and it's it is supporting a lot of patients still too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. On one hand, it's yeah. like, you know, a difficult situation for mm -hmm. people who want patients to have access to right. tested and clean product. Uh, on the other hand, it's at least they're getting something that that they can afford. Yeah. So definitely a tough uh, situation. I mean, we, I think what I think we had a interesting. Well, I was just going to ask her, like, what advice do you have for, you know, someone entering the industry, you know, right now? It's, it's one, I think there's a lot of companies having a hard time getting investment for it. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. That, that is probably one of the biggest issues is getting the investment money. And then of course you can't obtain any small business loans, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's written into things that are coming in the future, hopefully, but you can't, you can't get a loan. You can't even legally have a bank account. You know, you, we've had so many accounts shut down and 
Um, it's just, it's, it's a cash industry. What, what would my advice be? You know, first of all, know that it is an expensive endeavor to enter. Um, uh, know who you are in bed with, know who you are investing with, get to know, you know, if that's not conducive to like how you want to work, you know, mm -hmm. I would suggest look elsewhere. Um, and then also, you know, I heard this so long ago at a Sensi um, women's party, don't ever get comfortable. You know, their changes occur all the time. I mean, we are still in such an early part of this industry, mm -hmm. right? And hasn't even federally changed yet. Mm -hmm. So don't get comfortable. Things change. But, you know, just point. know that, you know, yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, I would say it's a, it's a rewarding industry. I find it rewarding, um, but it is equally very frustrating and stressful, you know, but um, there's definitely... Well, when you've got a mission like yours, you know, that from the beginning, you've been looking at this from a from a patient-centric right. perspective. You're right. You're always going to get the uh, satisfaction of that. So yeah. that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, um, most definitely. Thank you. For coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. All, you've got a ton of, of information and wisdom. And please make sure you follow Shelly on social media. It's at... It's Cannabis.Shelly. Cannabis.Shelly with a K. Cannabis.Shelly <laughs> with a K. And also Cannabis Works too, right? And make sure you follow OC Normal and Cannabis Works. And Dear Cannabis. Dear Cannabis, please. These ladies are amazing, amazing what they're doing. Um, you know, and for any vendors that might be listening, you can reach out to Dear Cannabis. You know, if you want to give, if you want to donate lab time, packaging. I, they're, they, so they're doing a great everything. job at the coordinating all those SB 34. Great job coordinating. Like end of life logistics. They really are. That's awesome. Doing an incredible job. That's, and we work great. hand in hand with us. Like they'll send projects our way or donations our way for um, different events that they're also um, promoting. Um, yeah, definitely follow nor normal, normal, national normal, normal.org, um, OC normal, California normal, um, awesome. Americans for Safe Access. I mean, there's so many. Uh, United <laughs> Patients grew. Uh, also, uh, Project CBD is just a projectcbd.org is a great website for source of information just for cannabis and CBD. Uh, awesome. Incredible site. I, I always recommend people to look on that if they just want to learn more. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Cannabis.cbd. Yeah. What's that? What you said, cannabis. Can no. oh, the <laughs> project. Project. Projectcbd.org. Project yeah, you're like, <laughs> <at> Malibu. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Empire. <laughs> well, thank you again, Shelly. It was fantastic having you. Yeah, of course. Thank you, thank thank you, you again, again from from Bluntly Us, Dina. It's another great episode in the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week. Bye.